0: Hey guys, before the episode, just wanted to tell you about a bounty system that Bobby and I were thinking about. Basically, uh, we've had listeners reach out to us, uh, mentioning that certain uh, questions or answers are not entirely correct, and uh, we adjust them accordingly, and we're not perfect, and we'll make mistakes, Bobby more so than myself, but regardless, (laughs) regardless, if you do find something, if you come across something, you're listening, and you're like, hey, you know what, I actually think it's this, or I actually uh, don't agree with the answer reach out to us. We'd love to talk to you. Hit us up on Instagram, hit us up. Uh, We have an email and a website, both of which are accessible and let us know. And uh, the people that have reached out in the past have done so very respectfully and we figured out and we edit the podcast accordingly. And we often send uh, the person that reached out to us uh, a little gift uh, from our buzzword store, typically a poster. So uh, that's what we're calling our bounty system. So go out there, find mistakes that we made, let us know and we'll send you something. Anything else to add, Bobby? I'll drink to that <laughs> i'll drink to that all right guys enjoy the episode welcome back guys to another episode of usmle buzzwords how you doing bobby i'm good how are you doing today i'm doing very well today is a neurology episode it is the first of a neurology series bobby what are you drinking today for our buzzwords i am
1: drinking trotwood by the warped wing brewing company how about you
0: i've got the wipeout by ipa by pork brewing company what's your uh, trotwood rated on the uh
1: infamous beer advocate. So it's only a 75, unfortunately.
0: And what is it again? It's an IPA?
1: It is a uh, lager.
0: Okay. Does the beer advocate have any interesting descriptions about it? Anything we should expect from this? Uh...
1: No, I'm, I'm just glancing at the ratings though, like the fan ratings, and they're all pretty low, unfortunately. <laughs> I just grabbed it and didn't really think much of it, so. Should we Come do this at the typically?
0: Again. Yeah, should we, uh, should we like, look at the ratings maybe at the end of the episode so we don't bum ourselves out if we give yeah, ourselves, like, some... Yeah,
1: I, I guess we don't... We want to be unbiased in this podcast, right? And so yeah, if we're looking true. at these at the beginning, I'm going to take a sip, and it's going to be uh, poisoned by the, the ratings.
0: <laughs> All right, I think maybe that's what we'll do next. We'll, we'll just say what we're drinking, and then we'll uh, we'll go on with the episode, and at the end, we'll yeah. say what we rate it, and then see kind of what the community thinks How far we'll off kind of we compare. Were. that's good. It'd be yeah, funny, too, if we could
1: good. read, like, just one funny comment from uh, each of our beers' opinions.
0: Yeah, no, I agree i'm drinking the uh wipeout ipa like i said it is actually a 91 and in regards to overall ipas the style it's ranked 414 so we'll see how that goes i don't know if that's the highest rating one we've had i think the one i had prior was was like in the top hundreds i think i think if i'm not mistaken
1: yeah i feel like all your beers are consistently in the top you know like they're all rated in the 90s or whatever and their overall ranking is high and mine are like oh it's ranked forty-five <laughs> thousand. <It's laughs> well to be fair good you're not looking Ohio. at
0: it I'm, no, I'm, I'm looking I'm looking up the scores prior to even purchasing them. Oh. So that's kind of a little cheat I had. And the description of this one, wipeout God, is, is a little funny. It says, this one is dedicated to everyone who has gotten up at the butt crack of dawn, headed towards the shores and found that four to six feet and offshore, only to find 30 of your, quote, buddies have already claimed a peak. As you paddle out, a swell arrives from nowhere, signaling your turn to go. The surf gods are shining on you today. You turn, stroke like mad for the wave. Standing up, you're alone. And blammo, you wipe out, blowing the only chance of a right-hander all to yourself. You know who you are. We've all been there too. It's inside each and every one of us.
1: I wonder how well beers like that sell in landlocked countries like Ohio, because I don't think very many people have had the experience of surfing.
0: Yeah, it's true. It's a very specific demographic. All right. Well, without further ado, shall we start? Yeah, let's get into it. All right. I'm in glass today, so. Alrighty. Have to assimilate. i had a little idea today since people say you don't drink enough bobby we're gonna we're gonna up the ante are people I've saying to, that
1: have people g- yeah. giving us feedback oh that's so sweet
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> well feedback has been given and from the community i think this is a little little fun twist today i mean to the listener at home i've not told bobby about this prior there was no discussion but i have some vignettes they're pretty tough that's another feedback kind of we got is uh, to make things tougher they can go do the easy stuff on their own they can mash through anki cards so some tough vignettes and if you get it first try, fantastic. Don't have to drink. If you need one hint, maybe you take like a one or two second pull. If you need another hint, maybe a three to four second pull. And the more hints that you need ultimately to where you don't get it, um, determines just kind of how much you drink. What do you think?
1: I think I'm getting drunk tonight. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right. Sounds good. So the first vignette, you ready? Yeah. Hats on. <sighs> All right. We have a 23 year old female comes in with seizures, fever, headaches, behaving strangely, a little lethargic, a little confused what are you thinking about off the top of your head
1: it's hsv encephalitis (laughs) well this was not a good idea i thought this was supposed to be hard take your (laughs) poll bro
0: (laughs) okay here's another question fantastic that was like four levels down i have a Um, follow-up
1: question for you what are you gonna see on the csf
0: (laughs) (laughs) that was my next follow-up question for you beat you to it so uh the csf so you already know, so obviously you're asking me and I, and I have it written in my notes right here, but basically for uh, HSV encephalitis, you could see a lymphocytic predominance um, and you can even see red blood cells, which I forgot until rereading and restudying, but uh, those red blood cells are actually because of or what they think is of kind of infiltration into the temporal bone and, and uh, kind of some, some runoff from that. So lymphocytic predominance, red blood cells, elevated protein, and normal glucose, similar to uh, many viral kind of encephalitis pictures or even viral meningitis pictures. I have a follow up with that. Well, do you have anything to say about that? Or was I, was uh, I off? Totally oh, yeah. Off? I was
1: just going to say, no, that's completely right. One of the things is, like, it's one of the few causes of just, like, a frankly bloody tap. So if somebody has HSV right. encephalitis or the vignette, it's like, oh, this young patient's been acting kind of weird. And they have a bloody tap. Like, there's your answer.
0: Yep. And so, actually, you can get imaging, too. Any idea what the
1: imaging would show? It shows temporal lobe enhancement.
0: Perfect. All right. And this is a tough one. I don't think it would necessarily be, I don't know, asked on the step 2 exam. But any treatments that we know for encephalitis? Or specifically HSV encephalitis. I imagine you'd give an antiviral. Yeah, um, exactly. So that was exactly what I found. Is normally encephalitis is supportive. Uh, actually, the majority of people uh, clear it up without many much sequelae. Like there are some people. There's a minority that do have some like kind of recalcitrant neuro, you know, uh, deficits. But overall, people do well. But if you suspect HSV encephalitis, if you can get acyclovir early on in the treatment, it's actually associated with improved mortality and morbidity.
1: Interesting. It's strange yep. that it works for HSV as opposed to. And not, like, it isn't standard of treatment for the other encephalitis because, I mean, they tend to be viral as well.
0: Yeah, I, I'm not entirely sure. I, I don't know why you wouldn't just give the second you even suspect an encephalitis. Because, you know, the workup is going to be long. It's going to take a while. Why not just start everyone with suspected encephalitis on acyclovir, barring any yeah. contraindications? Don't want to give them any kidney Anyways. stones. Yeah, what's a couple kidney stones between friends? Yeah, we've all been there. I'll drink to that. Cheers. How about if we both get it right? If, like, nothing happens, we'll just both drink just like we've always been doing.
1: <laughs> so in the response to the feedback to change things up, we're doing it exactly the same. Is that fair to say?
0: It's entirely different, but in many same, ways, same, it's exactly but the different. same. <laughs> okay, cool. It's the Michael Scott quote. I knew exactly what I was doing, but in a much more real sense, I had no idea what I was doing. Yeah, We'll play it like fair. that.
1: Sounds good. Um, somebody, oh, well, so something else we have to do is, if we use a lot of filler words, like saying, um, we have to drink. So I will take a sip for that one.
0: All right. I don't know um, how that's going to go.
1: Well, that sounds like a long poll for you. Gladly. There is a, uh, a hit me. young teenager who is having psychotic symptoms, and you see these weird rings in their eyes. What's going on?
0: Oh, interesting. They have copper overload. Yeah. I forget what those rings in their eyes are called at the moment. I'm not great with names. Uh, Flesher, is it Flesher something rings?
1: Yeah, it's Kaiser Eye rings
0: are flesh iron rings. Yep. So Wilson's Wilson's mm-hmm. disease. Wilson's. Yeah. Perfect. Copper. You kind of get the, uh, you know, almost like the delirious picture, um, basically, encephalopathic person, young guy, young girl. Um,
1: is there like an average age for when this begins? I want to say like somewhere in the teenage years, like fourteen to sixteen. Oh wow. I yeah. i was thinking it's of that early. Yeah. It's one of those. So it's a good thing that you can compare this to, um, iron overload, hemochromatosis, hemochromatosis yeah. and that hemochromatosis symptoms don't start until you're like over forty just because it takes longer for the iron to build up. But uh, Wilson's disease symptoms start much, much earlier.
0: And what do we do for these?
1: So I don't think that there's any definitive treatment. It's just uh, you can use chelators, like penicillamide is a copper chelator to try and reduce uh, deposition. But there isn't any really curative treatments, unfortunately.
0: Okay, so what's like a key takeaway for someone, like for Wilson's disease? What should they look for in a vignette?
1: So in the vignette, if you have like a fairly young psychotic patient and they give you the classic Lycer fresh eye rings, or um, if they also they also can tend to have some weird motor like non-specific motor symptoms because it also like the copper deposits in the basal ganglia, um, and I, I believe it's also just progressive.
0: Yeah, I'm even reading so like like you said schizophrenic like syndromes even like parkinsonian syndromes dystonic yeah. choreic right like a lot of the things I'm even reading about maybe some urolithiasis. Interesting. Okay. So I have another patient for you. This sure. is a uh, this is a 28-year-old male. Headaches for a week, but his eyes are getting a little swollen, and his right cheek is now getting a little swollen, and he's feverish to 101 degrees. Any ideas?
1: It sounds like orbital versus preceptal cellulitis.
0: Oh, I like that. Okay. Yeah. And so the next thing I'll say is this physical exam is significant for limited extraocular movements.
1: So that is concerning, and that would be orbital cellulitis.
0: Right. And... What would you start getting concerned about if he's not moving his eyes? Let's say he's starting to have a headache, um, you may see some papilledema on fundoscopy. What are we starting to think about?
1: So you're worried about extension into the CNS. Um, the valve system in the brain and in the eyes is, doesn't have the normal, or the vein system in the brain and the eyes doesn't have the normal valve, so it's very easy for a septal infection to kind of travel retrograde and end up in the CNS.
0: Exactly. So in this picture, we have a guy um, in the actual original stem. He gets bit by a tick, but I thought that'd be too easy. But so basically he's feverish. He's got some swelling. You're thinking about maybe a preceptal, but now he can't move his eyes. You have some more concerning pics. And basically with the headaches, you have to start thinking about a cavernous venous thrombosis. And that's exactly right. The facial and thalamic venous system, which is the main way that this bacteria gets in, is valveless. So you can get imaging and you basically need to treat with broad spectrum IV antibiotics. It is an urgent thing. And so one teaching point, To take away from this is if you get a vignette and you're thinking about cavernous venous thrombosis see if there's any symptoms related to the veins i'm sorry to the nerves that are running through the cavernous sinus where this is happening so like uh cranial nerves three four five and six are the big ones that run through this so if they have any deficits like that like they can't move their eyes um sensation loss etc etc think about cavernous sinus manipulation or disruption
1: sounds good i will okay hit me so somebody comes into the ed and half of their face is paralyzed What are the two things you're worried about
0: Uh, stroke and
1: Bell's palsy yeah and so how would you differentiate the two
0: so cranial nerve seven is a big player Uh, depending on it can be tricky but I think most strokes don't affect the upper tract of the face so you'll still be able to move your forehead and Bell's palsy everything is frozen is that correct or is that backwards
1: no that's that's exactly it so you you have your upper and your lower nerve for the the facial nerve and if it's the lower nerve which is Bell's palsy that uh, controls the whole side of the face and so you'll have complete forehead and cheek paralysis and if it's a stroke you're only knocking out the upper nerve which has redundancy from the contralateral side so you'll still have uh, sparing of your forehead.
0: So I was also looking at Bell's palsy as a potential question and I learned a couple things along the way I know most people think about Bell's palsy in the setting of a viral infection maybe HSV most commonly but even things like sarcoid or malignancies can call Bell's palsy. I mean, I guess essentially anything that affects that nerve is in theory Bell's palsy. So just something to consider. It's not just a virus that causes this, but it can be multiple etiologies, some inflammatory, some malignant. Yeah. I'll drink to that. Cheers. Bell's palsy is incredibly high yield.
1: It comes up a lot. I've seen it in the ED a few times. And if you know you're a good clinician, you can save the patient some radiation potentially by just noticing the difference on your physical exam. So... And this might not be so high-yield, but what is, is there a treatment for Bell's palsy? Do we give them steroids? Uh, yeah, I believe the treatment is steroids. Uh, it's typically self-resolving. If there's a concern for like HSV or VZV as the cause, then you can give antivirals. And then the other thing that you have to keep in mind is uh, eye protection. Depending on the degree of uh, severity, they may or may not be able to fully open or close their eyes. So you have to make sure that you keep the eye lubricated and um, free from damage.
0: Cool. Makes sense. All right. Excuse me. I have a 40-year-old male. Pretty young, no comorbidities. Comes in frequent falls, and the, over the last maybe week, starting to have some numbness in his toes and fingers. Negative deep tendon reflexes. What are you thinking about?
1: Falls, toes and fingers, no DTRs. I would think about maybe a B12 deficiency, actually.
0: Okay. So I'm going to give you my first hint,
1: because that's pretty that.
0: nonspecific and that's tough. So you find that you go, okay, I'm concerned. I don't know what's going on. His B12 is normal. Let me get an LP. You get an LP and his protein is 150, his white blood cells are 3.
1: That would make me think more of like an inflammatory process, or perhaps a guillain Beret.
0: Okay, and I'll give you one more hint, even though you're basically on it. You dive into his history, you're like, I know you're totally healthy, but what have you been feeling over the last couple of weeks? And he says, oh well, yeah, I, I did have the sniffles about four weeks ago. Don't, don't psych know. yourself out.
1: <laughs> is it not Guillain-Barre? It is Guillain-Barre. No, oh. it is.
0: Sorry, maybe that was unclear. I, I, You had it basically, but you had two options. I wanted to like see if that would just confirm uh, Guillain-Barre for you. But yes, exactly. Guillain-Barre, CSF findings are incredibly important and high-yield for step two, including an elevated protein, but a normal white count, quoted as the albuminocytologic disassociation. Um,
1: yeah, neurotendings love that question, and they'll love you if you get it right. It mm-hmm. always comes up for whatever reason.
0: And so Guillain-Barre is kind of interesting because it isn't essentially an inflammatory, you can think of it almost as an autoimmune process, but... The treatment is not steroids. A lot of people think steroids, are steroids. For guillain steroids have not shown to be helpful. It's actually just supportive treatment. If, you know, most of these cases pass on their own, if not all of them, uh, you have to just support them. But if the off chance that you start getting worried, let's say they're having difficulty breathing, it becomes ascending much quicker than, you know, you anticipated, the treatment is IVIG or plasmapheresis dove into it a little bit more later, um, yesterday, and I guess there's no benefit. It's kind of just whichever one fits the patient's profile better. If if for some reason they shouldn't get plasmapheresis or IVIG, they'll go with the alternative option, but either one works. So look for IVIG or plasmapheresis as an answer choice for the treatment of Guillain-Barre.
1: Interesting. So one other thing to note that occasionally comes up is they may not necessarily have like a frank, um, causative illness. It can also happen as a result of uh, the flu shot or other vaccinations.
0: Right. Right. Get your flu shot. But, uh, I guess not too much.
1: Just a bit. I don't know what to say. <laughs> Just, Just a, a little bit. bit I'll, I'll uh... shot. Don't double up. Don't go back yeah, in Yeah, no seconds.
0: double. Exactly. So uh, the one last point I'll say is uh, the classic, classic, classic bug for Guillain-Barre. If they're going to give you a bug, it might be URI. But the most common, at least, association that I've seen is the Campylobacter jejuni bug, bloody diarrhea, and then subsequently Guillain-Barre a couple of weeks later.
1: Yep. Cool. So you have a patient come in, and they're having pure sensory symptoms on their face, Left face, left arm, and left leg, where is the stroke?
0: So the stroke needs to be somewhere where it can hit all those territories. And I don't think it would be in the cerebrum, right? Because if you're hitting the left face, arm, and leg, that means you would take out the right side of the brain, which would need to be a very proximal lesion because you'd have to hit the ACA on the right side and um, the MCA. So I don't think it's that. So that makes me think of a more proximal lesion. Maybe the thalamus maybe the midbrain and if it was in the midbrain it would oh gosh you're getting me with this anatomy i would have to guess either like midbrain or thalamus somewhere where it hits all three of those yeah how'd do i do
1: the thalamus is the answer that's oh, the, no the classic location so if somebody's like oh they're only having sensory symptoms right it's gonna be the thalamus
0: it's coming back to me that makes sense
1: yeah and one thing to look out right. for is something called post-thalamic pain syndrome for whatever right. reason people who have these thalamic strokes tend to have uh once their sensory symptoms start resolving, they have this terrible uh, post-stroke kind of burning, tingling pain in the region that was initially knocked out. So for whatever reason, that's an association that they want you to know about.
0: That's great. Totally forgot about that. I think I got a little wrong, though, so I'll drink.
1: Cheers. All
0: right. How are you liking your brew so far, by the way? It's pretty good. I... Yeah?
1: I don't hate it. I don't. I think that the reviews are too cruel. It's it's a fine beer. Oh yeah, would you get it again? Yeah, I mean I have a six packs, so I have five more to drink. <laughs> there
0: you go. <laughs> Gotta say yes.
1: Yeah. How's yours?
0: All right. It's good so far. I think it's probably one of the better ones that I've had. Nice. It's actually got a cool bottle too. It's like a beautiful kind of giant wave. Some guy, I guess, is wiping out, which makes sense since the title is Wipeout. Mm. So it's even it's like a bottle that you would even like keep. You know, it's one of those yeah. nice looking, nice looking brews. Nice. So I have a patient. She has sharp, burning like pain on the left side of her face. What are you thinking about?
1: I am thinking about shingles.
0: Great. But not the right answer. Let me think of another way to say it. Herpes zoster, no Is that what you want? No, there, it has nothing to do with uh, HSV. Oh, she has tic a de la Roe. sharp, burning.
1: What? Tic de la Roe? It's, uh It's a. I don't know why I'm only remembering the French name for it, but <laughs> trigeminal neuralgia. That's what it is. <laughs>
0: I was like, what? <laughs> would you call me? One of um, my
1: attendings was French, and you would, like, say the French names for, for like, teaching points or whatever. And I'm like, I, I don't care. It's cool, but, like, it's not going to help you me. Pa- but, vo- but here <laughs> we are. Yeah.
0: <laughs> All right. So you got it. So sharp burning. Oftentimes, people say lightning-like, but I thought that would be too easy. So sharp burning pain, left side of the face. Herpes zoster is a great teaching point, too. We can dive into that as well. But try geminal neuralgia. So that's not the hard part of this. Um, I'm going to dive into it kind of multi-step. So what's the, ne- what's the treatment or, or the, I guess, the it's kind of off-the-book carbamazepine. The Perfect. So you give this lady carbamazepine. Her trigeminal neuralgia, excuse me, is starting to get better. Um, but she comes to you a couple days later, and she's like, you know what? I'm starting to, like, have these low-grade fevers. And, like, under my arms, are kind of starting to, like, feel kind of painful. And I noticed a couple of blisters yesterday. What yeah. should I
1: do, doc? She should stop the medication immediately because she's getting Steven Johnson syndrome.
0: Exactly. So Stephen Johnson syndrome, something that is, like, the, quote, only dermatologic uh, emergency is um, something that carbamazepine is very well known for. And uh, Stephen Johnson syndrome, if, if untreated or left to, it's kind of nature. If no one like, stops the medication, it can even, you know, transpire and become uh, TEN. And in that case, it's really only differentiated by the amount of surface area of the body uh, that is being affected. I think TEN is, what, 30%? Yeah, 30%. I, okay. Yeah, so... Basically, once you get to 30%, you have TEN, between 10 and 30%, you have a SGS slash TEN overlap, and less than 10%, it's just SJS, excuse me. So, it's kind of just semantics, but good to know that there's a TEN and SJS. Stop the medication, I think, based off what I was reading and up to date, you can, there's some indication for medications like cyclophosphamide if it's getting really bad, but they're not going to ask you that on the step two. They're going to tell you to stop the medication, just like Bobby said. Interesting. So then I have one more follow-up for this patient with trigeminal neuralgia. So instead of having these blisters and fevers, she actually comes in a couple days later, and just her husband's with her, and he's like, she's just a little confused and altered. Um, And I'm going to just start with that because it's very nonspecific and see if if the great Bobby can get it.
1: So carbamazepine is also really well known for its metabolic side effects in that it can upregulate and downregulate the CYP450 system. So I would be curious to know if she's on any other medications, actually.
0: Good. So that's a teaching point as well, as that carbamazepine, especially with other antieleptics anti-epileptics, excuse me, um, can cause a lot of significant side effects and can cause toxic levels of other medications. I'm going to add something for this case, though, because that's not what I'm getting at. You, you're a little confused. You're like, I don't know why she's confused. I don't know why she's altered. Let's just get some basic labs. And you get a BMP, and there's actually an abnormality on the basic metabolic panel in Wait. an
1: altered, confused patient from oh you can get siadh as well don't you
0: perfect yep so this lady is now hyponatremic causing her to be confused altered and so that's the one teaching point is carbamazepine can cause siadh you gotta remember i think it's on the sketchy episode right there's like some peanuts somewhere if i if i remember correctly yeah uh,
1: signifying the siadh they're at a diner exactly carbamazepine's in the car and then there's the waitress lady <laughs> carrying the pancakes <laughs> that she's about to drop and that's for the funny one.
0: and they're wearing like the cult-like masks uh yeah for the sjs the, for like whatever, reason.
1: Masks or whatever it's called <laughs>
0: Nice. yep and so the, the key takeaway is hyponatremia can be a thing with SJS so always look at that BMP if they give it to you on the step exam and the patients that are most at risk are actually elderly and interestingly those that are taking diuretics so just to keep that in mind cool well done yep
1: so somebody another patient comes to the emergency department and it's actually the husband of the first lady who was having the, the pure sensory <laughs> symptoms and he is having pure motor symptoms what a you know what a coincidence what where is hmm. his stroke
0: oh bummer oh he had a stroke okay I was about to say, uh, you know, ALS. So I'm glad it's not that. As much as strokes are never good, uh, I don't think anything is as bad as ALS. (sighs) Okay, pure motor stroke, not the thalamus. Okay, so full sensory stroke was thalamus. Mm -hmm. And that makes a lot of sense. I'm going to go off a limb and say... Oh, interesting. Very nice. I'll drink to that, actually. Cheers. I'll drink to puns. And um, so full motor stroke... I'm just guessing at this point, but basal ganglia.
1: So, nice try, but it is the internal capsule.
0: Oh, the internal capsule. Yeah. I love the internal capsule. That's
1: that's one of those associations they just want you to know again for whatever reason.
0: Yep. No, it's coming back. It's been a while. It's been a while since I've uh, reviewed that uh, neuroanatomy, so that's great. Yeah. So, internal capsule, full motor, thalamus, full sensory. Mm-hmm. And That makes sense. Basal ganglia, I don't know who said that, but... that's you start thinking about you know parkinsonian kind of syndromes and korea and that kind of stuff so yeah hunting or not huntingtons but um what is the uh one disease process that causes like really significant one-sided korea hemibolism um, hemibolism and that's that's a uh i think subthalmic
1: yeah uh lesion yep okay
0: great nice so i think it's that time again uh in the podcast if you know what i'm saying
1: are we talking about poems again
0: we are talking about poems so I got I got a haiku for you today since uh, last time, you said the haiku and you've actually said the same haiku twice now. So, so hopefully can today. I do that
1: again, or
0: <laughs> you know, at this point, uh, it might be funny just to, to say the same joke again. Uh, yeah. Regardless, here's here's a here's one for the books. <clears throat> An old silent pond, a frog jumps in the pond, splash, Silence again. How does that
1: make you feel? I like it. It's very calming.
0: <laughs> okay. Nice. You know, I, I, I'm just doing this partially as a joke, but actually so my attending uh in on my medicine awards last month, his thing at the end of rounds, every day a different resident, medical student, or pharmacy student had to bring a poem and we and would share the poem. And um it was just interesting to see what people would bring. I thought it was a very serious thing, so I'd find real poems, but like my co intern, he would bring a poem, like the first poem he brought was about a guy eating plums. And then the second <laughs> poem he brought was like the same guy somehow. This, like somehow, someone has written multiple poems about the same guy, but it was a different. It was the same guy in a different story, but also just eating plums. So like his trend was just plum plum poems. He's um, the uh,
1: the guy that those math textbooks warn you about, the ton of plums.
0: Maybe someone will get that reference, but I did not.
1: Did you never go to elementary school or something?
0: No, I skipped that part.
1: Oh, nice. I, I maybe I just remember because I did it twice.
0: Do you have a poem uh, today by any chance?
1: Sure. Oh, no, I don't. Sorry. I misunderstood.
0: <laughs> uh, beautiful. So I have a 60 year old male with hypertension who presents with a weak right arm and leg about six hours ago. It lasted about 30 minutes and that weakness has since resolved, but he still has a right pronator drift on examination. His CT head is negative. What is the best next step in management? Is it? And I'm going to give you multiple choice because this is tough. Nothing aspirin or warfarin
1: it would depend on his uh medication history but i would start with aspirin
0: perfect and what do you mean about medication history just just so i understand
1: so if somebody has had a tia or like a thromboembolic event in the past uh and they were already on aspirin at that time you would actually step up and then be more aggressive in terms of anticoagulation
0: perfect so That's actually one of the teaching points that I wanted to mention as well. So this gentleman had a stroke essentially and and the CT head was negative and the MRI was pending. And although it lasted about 30 minutes and maybe someone could say that's a TIA, he still at this point has a right pronator drift. So there is still some sequelae of the stroke. And so we mentioned nothing about medications. And so if you had the choice, nothing aspirin or warfarin, you're correct in saying that aspirin would be what you need to start aspirin at this point is the only antiplatelet agent effective in reducing early recurrence of ischemic stroke. That being said, If this gentleman came in, you had a step two prompt and he's on aspirin as a medication, Bobby is a thousand percent correct. You would want to then continue the aspirin and add another agent such as clopidogrel because obviously they've had a stroke on aspirin. So to prevent recurrent strokes or to at least help as much as possible, you want to add another antiplatelet agent. Yep. Well done.
1: What if a young man comes to you and he complains of his hands being shaky and he has a family history of alcoholism? What does he have?
0: Essential tremor.
1: Yep, exactly.
0: Is it both hands or one hand? Is there a, uh, you know, a laterality to it? Is it typically both? Just so an education?
1: It is typically bilateral. Usually, for whatever reason, one hand will be a little bit worse than the other. And you can actually have involvement. This is rare, but you can have involvement of the head. So you'll have a little bit of like head bobbing type movement. And it tends to get better with alcohol. So there'll be kind of a family history of people who drink as they kind of just discover that it helps with their tremor. And it's kind of a, you know, nature's remedy, so to speak or you can also medically treat it with propranolol or as a step up therapy, I believe primidine.
0: Okay. And just to be hundred percent clear, cause there's a lot of different tremors. I mean, with Parkinson's, you have that rolling tremor at rest, essential mm. tremors are a kinetic tremor. They're a tremor that occurs when you're doing simple things such as, you know, mm, I don't know, doing a simple task, such as drinking from a glass or, or tying a shoelace, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. And they tend to get okay. worse with age and beta blockers. Yep. Beta blockers. Worse with age
0: and beta blockers are the mainstay and alcoholism can be a historical factor that can help lean into that and what's the tremor and this might be something that we need to look up because tremors are tough especially yep. on problems when you're you know rushed so we have the parkinsonian tremor which is kind of classic baseline pill rolling tremor um you have the essential tremor and then there's a tremor related to strokes if i'm not mistaken like a, maybe a cerebellar
1: stroke yes so cerebellar strokes will cause you can have like cerebellar tremors which i believe are it's called an intention tremor right. where it actually gets worse when you're trying to do stuff and if you're just sitting there at rest, it's, it's fine.
0: So that seems very similar to essential tremors though.
1: So the essential tremor, you'll still have at rest, but it gets okay. worse when you're doing things. Uh, whereas the intention tremor is always there or sorry, is only there when you're going to do things.
0: Okay. Makes sense. All right. I have just a quick teaching point. So you have a patient, let's say it's, it's a little kid. It's going to be sad, it's a little kid and they're sledding and they hit a tree and they pass out for a second, and they come back to, and then maybe 30 minutes later, they start throwing up. What do you think
1: about? Epidural hematoma damaged Perfect. the middle meningeal artery.
0: Perfect. So I know epidural versus subdural is pretty classic. People, most people probably learn in step one, so I don't want to go over it too long. But epidural versus subdural, the one thing that I think uh, is often overlooked in studying for it is just the timeline. So epidural is often, you know, minutes to hours where the person hits their head, they have a lucid phase, so they pass out for a second, they have a lucid phase where they're totally normal, and then you know, within a couple hours they're vomiting, there's signs of you know deficits, they're they're really in trouble. And obviously surgical emergency, blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. Versus a subdural where you have, you know, the elderly person that maybe fell a couple weeks ago, maybe doesn't even remember, maybe just like a slight trauma, oftentimes like, oh no, nothing's happened over the last couple months, and then you take a picture of their brain and there's this huge subdermal that's been subdural excuse me that's been collecting for weeks. So that's kind of the main difference is the time frame as well as the demographic. Anything else you want to add with that?
1: Uh, just one thing to add is on imaging, the subdural, because it's a low-pressure bleed, will look like a moon and be concave versus an epidural. It's an arterial bleed. It's high pressure. It's pushing on the brain, so it will be convex or lens-shaped.
0: Perfect. I'll do that. Cheers. And So, just along brain bleeds, along the topic of brain bleeds, the most common cause of non-traumatic subarachnoid hemorrhage is
1: non-traumatic subarachnoid hemorrhage
0: so it's the berry aneurysm right it's the classic oh right um worst headache of your life uh most commonly subarachnoids are just found you know because of trauma but if there's no trauma i actually just had a patient over the last couple months that had a uh, subarachnoid hemorrhage but berry aneurysm is the next kind of highest etiology to diagnose it you would get a ct head without contrast just as you would with any kind of brain bleed if that's not helpful any idea what the next test would be if you're still pretty suspicious you do an lp perfect. What are you looking for?
1: Xanthochromia, which is an perfect. elevated ferritin and like a brown looking CSF tap, or if the bleeding is more acute, then you'd actually just see blood. Right.
0: Yeah. Something I learned is that the xanthochromia, although it's very specific, it's it's tough to do because too early on, it won't find it. And then too late, it also won't find it. There's like this interesting, maybe 48 hour gap where the xanthochromia will pop up. But if you're doing it, obviously, you know, a couple days after someone had the headache or maybe just right immediately as they had the headache, uh, it really won't come out with anything. So it's tough. And so if it, obviously it's an aneurysm. It's a neurosurgical issue. You want to clip the aneurysm. You can use a coil, blood pressure control. Um, there is a medication that you do want to get for vasospasm. Any idea?
1: Nimodipine.
0: Nimodipine, calcium channel blocker, prevents vasospasm, which is a very scary complication of subarachnoid hemorrhage. So nimodipine. it's the uh, sketchy episode in the ice cream parlor, and they need more dippings or something like that. If I don't.
1: Yeah, there's a lady... Who's pregnant mm-hmm. with a knife for nifedipine, And then right next to her is, is the nimodipine <laughs> guy, who's like got his baggy pants and he's sitting on the ground.
0: Is that the nimodipine guy? I thought the nimodipine guy was in the background. I thought it was another lady. Am I tripping?
1: Maybe you are, or maybe I am. <laughs> the world may never know.
0: Well, it's it's in there somewhere. We could we could we could have an episode where we where we just try to reenact each sketchy episode like from memory. Yeah, <laughs> we just
1: talk about it it's like the first one. There's the pharaoh guy
0: there's a pharaoh there's a cat and that means that it's catalase and uh you know Mirsa. it's gold MRSA it's got the we're not gonna do it now whatever <laughs> <laughs> something something coagulase.
1: yeah i'm sure our listeners want to hear like a like, <laughs> like a, a third reaction. level source like it's not even a first person or a second person it's like third person access you know what to our listeners are, would like sketchy.
0: though is a re of the macro video what if we just redo that one
1: yeah make it better and not an Edgar Allan poe poem is that what you've been pushing for with all these weekly poems? Is that what this is about?
0: It's just my frustration towards sketchy just manifested as its own. <laughs> to be fair, I'm not the one doing Edgar Allan Poe. I think that's been you.
1: Hey man, baby, baby shoes, shoes. Never worn. <laughs> that's scary. That means that somebody was going to have a baby and then the, the baby didn't wear the shoes.
0: <laughs> think about it. All right.
1: you can't have barefoot babies running around.
0: I <laughs> think about it. just for the listener that's uh, listening to this, you know, weeks, months, years later, it's actually October 4th today. So right now we're in the midst of the newest development in this pandemic crisis, or as some say, plandemic crisis, where uh, President Trump has just tested positive a couple days back. But I just read a Reddit post saying that they're thinking about discharging him tomorrow, and it's been like three days. What do you think about that?
1: I think you can't uh, say, like, no for sure, like, any of the information coming out from these reports because... A lot of it is like sensationalized and also like i'm sure there's a very limited subset of information that the president has allowed his medical team to disclose and everything outside of that i think is really just speculation
0: right like no one knows anything like yeah. they're saying i read the, i will watch the interview yesterday and the guy literally asked the physician the, the physician to the president like multiple times like has he been on any oxygen and he yeah. kept answering like he has not been on any oxygen today and the guy's like what about yesterday he's like no not yesterday either it's like what about thursday i was like jesus christ dude. yeah <laughs> like, you're not going to get anything, like, out of these people right now. There's no way. They're just willingly disclosing this guy's information. Right.
1: Well, being on supplemental oxygen is so nonspecific, too. Like, we will toss yeah. anybody on it. Like, yeah, he, he just asked for it, so he gave it to him. Like, whatever.
0: Right. And so at this at this time, he's gotten, he's gotten remdesivir. He's known to have already prophylactically had hydroxychloroquine, although I'm not sure if, like, he stopped doing that or if he's been doing that this whole time. I knew he was doing it months ago, but I'm not sure if he's been consistently doing it. And then also he got that experimental IVIG which I think is incredibly, like, that's interesting that someone was able to convince him to take an experimental treatment before having any symptoms.
1: Yeah, well, allegedly he was having some amount of symptoms, and, I mean, this medication isn't fda yet, but it does have kind of the best emerging data, so it, okay. it'll be interesting to see how it plays out, but it's kind of strange that, on one hand, you know, our president's saying that it's a hoax and it's, like, not a big deal and stuff, and then on the other hand, he's getting access to this, like, highest quality medical care and, like, experimental treatments and stuff that he's trying to take away from the average joe yeah or the sleepy joe
0: all right bobby that is it for today what are you thinking about your beer what would you give it on a one to ten
1: i would give it a six it's not great it's not terrible would i drink it again yes would i buy another six pack probably not
0: what was it called again just in case the viewers need to look out for
1: it it is called trotwood t-r-o-t-w-o-o-d
0: cool my wipeout was actually very good it's not the best thing i've had my the best beer has since been i think i think it was episode one i have to go back but um it's definitely, it's definitely up there, though. If I had to give this a number, it would be 7.5, if not 8. Not would I get it again? Of course. Would I buy it again? Definitely. Does it look cool? Probably hanging on the shelf on your wall. Um, for sure. So overall, sure. positive, positive reviews. For sure. It, it gives you a, kind of like a surfer vibe. You want to start talking talking like a Grom. Gnarly. I that. Gnarly, Grom, Kook. Uh, so Port Brewing Company, not entirely sure where they are, but the mantra is laid back, hop forward. I like that. Nice. All right, guys, that is it for today's episode of Neurology 1. If you have any questions, concerns, issues, just want to talk, you can shoot us an email, which is always in the description. But ding, 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 the newest thing that's up and popping on the Instagram world is our new Instagram account. Can I get a what, what? What, what? <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for amusing me. Um, uh, so our Instagram account is uh, USEmily underscore buzzwords. So follow us there. What that Instagram account is, is not just kind of an account where we post when we have new podcasts, but also um, a series of reels as well as stories with just tidbits of high yield information, maybe covered on these podcasts, but also um, just extraneous stuff that we also think is high yield based off the topics that we're covering. So I imagine within a couple weeks, if not months, you'll see hours of high yield information on that Instagram that you can save, um, that you can follow, and that will be helpful throughout your time, both for the USMLE step two, step three, and for those just starting med school, step one. All right, Bobby, anything else? Stay frosty. Stay frosty. All right, y'all have a wonderful day and a fantastic week. Cheers.
1: Cheers.